Welcome to episode number 33 of the Stick to Hockey podcast, the Brian Boucher episode. And oddly <laughs> enough, he'll join us on this episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It's Jason Martinez and Russ Cohen. Russ, what's going on? Oh, uh, you know, hockey. There's a lot of hockey going on. It's great. Um, we're through a couple weeks of the season now, and we're going to get into so much today. And we're going to talk to Brian Boucher, because one of the talking points around the league right now, and especially the goalie union, is the equipment. It's causing a problem. What? Goalies are getting well, bruised. You brought up goalie union. There isn't actually a goalie union like a quarterback club. I'm trying to start it. I want to start a, a formal union. But remember, there was a quarterback club. There's not even that anymore. Yeah. Well, the goalie union is, is none too pleased right now with the equipment. So we'll get into that with Brian Boucher. But um, we've got a couple things we want to get into here first. We'll go to Brian Boucher, and we'll come back and wrap up some other league headlines and stuff like that. But let's start with the Philadelphia Flyers, who, as we sit here t- uh, at taping, are 4-5 and five on the season. And I will tell you that the way they played is not indicative of their record, and that's good for them. Right. Because they're 4-5. and five. They should be in a worse situation, but they're not. No, but now there's some things going on with the team that sort of lead me to think that the coach feels like it's a dire point of the season, and I'll, I'll explain why. So, I look, I'm okay when a coach says, hey, youngster like Mikhail Vorobiev, hey, go to the press box, sit a game or two. That's fine. Any more than that, though, there's no point in sitting a kid any longer. He should be playing, playing somewhere, even if you send him back down to the Phantoms, whatever, but he should be playing. Then... Now where Oscar Lindblom is most likely going to be out of the lineup, he started off the season hot. He's not right now, but neither is anybody else on the team. I don't think he's earned really a spot on the bench, but the coach feels that way. So Corbin Knight gets to play, and I'm not sure he earned anything. Actually, he almost had a horrible turnover the game he played, but he did yeah. reel it in. And, again, Laterra is still playing. <laughs> Yuri Laterra is still playing. Yeah. And so – the one thing I always note, and I've noted this for a long time, even when I was a fan, when a coach is in trouble, he always relies on the veterans. And this is telling me the coach feels like he's in trouble. Well, yeah, and the GM came out and said it was unacceptable the way they've started this season and that if guys aren't going to you know, turn it around, he's going to do something. And that's right. putting everybody on notice. Um, I will tell you, I, I believe that part of the reason Corbin Knight goes in and let Tara stays in is the penalty kill because, you know, Oscar Lindblom doesn't kill penalties. Okay. Uh, Vorobiev doesn't kill penalties. And this penalty kill, again, year after year, is horrific. They can't stop anybody. All right, that's fair. But then let's talk about something else. The other night, I saw something that I, I don't recall if I've ever seen in a hockey game, and that was Ivor Provorov literally played with every defenseman on the team. Yeah. And to me, that was sort of embarrassing. Like, I didn't understand that he played yeah, like... That's 20... not a feather in your cap. No, it's not a good thing. <laughs> As a team, no. He played like 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. He was out there in every situation. Matter of fact, second and third period, he maybe took a shift off each one. Yeah. It was a little ridiculous. And I don't... When a team is doing that, and the continuity's not there, so now, you know, AMAC goes back in, Folan goes out. Okay, well, you weren't counting on Folan anyhow. You really brought him in to be a seven. But right now, as we stand right here... We thought the defense at least would be average to a little bit above average. Mm-hmm. This defense is totally askew. Like, there's not one pairing that you could say is working. Yeah, and, and they've changed it so many times now. You know, you started out with Provorov and Gossespierre. That has since been broken up. Now you had Gossespierre playing with Folan, which doesn't feel good to me at all because you no. don't want to put Folan on, on the ice as much as you want to put Gossespierre on the ice. Right. So it's really flawed right now, and the whole defensive uh, approach right now is even more concerning. Yeah, it's I mean, it's terrible. And, look, and and I honestly think that Provorov got the spear just because it worked one year. It wasn't working this year, and no. it wasn't working for a lot of reasons. And actually, they were losing Provorov's offense because he had to now be the shutdown guy, and Gosta Spear got to Rome and get conservative. Yeah, and but like in that last game, if you noticed, once they broke it up, then then all of a sudden Provorov's jumping back into the play. He's getting shots on net. You know, right now with the Flyers' offense struggling until JVR comes back, they need that push from the blue line. So you yeah. you do have to keep those two apart. Uh, would you agree with this, by the way? Uh, Ivan Provorov is the Flyers' best defenseman. Let's, there's not even any bones yes. about it. But the guy who's played the best this year in total, to me, has been Travis Sanheim. Yeah, Sanheim's Isn't played perfect, great. But he's he's taken a big step. Well, I think he he has taken a big step, and I you know we saw Kyle Dubas looking on, maybe looking that he was taking a big step to the other night. Yeah. So, yeah, he's played great. He's getting shots. He's getting pucks to the net. He's 
responsible. I'm seeing a little bit more dangle out of him now. Now that he's got a little he's, more confidence. He's activating a lot yeah, more. Yeah, he's activating a lot more. He's got that long reach already. So, no, there's there's some good things there for sure. Yeah. To me, Robert Haig has looked a little off. He has looked a little in off. In his reads I mean, more than anything. He, we got to remember that. Like, there's a metamorphosis with this guy. Like, he originally, when he was drafted, he was an offensive defenseman. Now he's not. Mm-hmm. Now he's still a puck mover because everybody has to be a puck mover. But now, you know, he had to sort of last year learn how to play a tougher brand of defense, a better brand. And he's been doing that, but he's a little up and down this yeah. year. But is that because of only him or is that because of the partner situation, too? Like, there's, yeah. you know, nobody seems to want to play with Gudis anymore. I mean, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. No, you're right. Because <laughs> anytime somebody's out there with Gudis, nobody it's knows what to do. Yeah, they don't. You're right. And you can't develop chemistry for one night and then change right. again the next night. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I mean, I saw the other day. I think it was Gudis and Provorov. Gudis was behind the net, handling the puck. I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah, let's change roles here real quick, right? Uh, but yeah, they're they're lucky to be four and five right now, and with how inconsistent they they've been, they played a couple. Of, I mean, obviously, opening night they played a nice game in Vegas to get that win. Yeah, they played a good game against Vegas here in a one nothing loss defensively at least. Yes, and then the, the Devil game was good, but then they come out. And they don't build on that Devils game. No. And right now, it's it's really confusing because of the slow starts. They've given up the first goal in eight of their nine games. The only one they didn't was against Columbus, which they ended up losing. And the power play, all of a sudden, can't put the puck in the net, the number one unit. And the penalty kill is a mess right now. I Where would, do they go? I'm not sure, but I got to tell you, who's covering David Pasternak? That's all I want to know because he's probably going to pop in a hat trick. Yep. I mean, he's hot as a firecracker, and nobody in the league can see, seems to be able to cover him right now. So I'd like to see what they're going to be able to do with him. Well, just look back the other night when they had to take on um, the Colorado Avalanche and that line, the <laughs> top line in hockey right now with McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, and, and Landeskog. Yeah. Well, you're going to get another one of those when you take on the Boston Bruins yeah. with, with Bergeron, Marchand, and obviously Pasternak. I mean, yeah. th- that's a lethal offensive unit to send out there. And the Flyers, they don't have the answers right now, and the goaltending's not bailing them out either. And something else, the fourth line the other day at home, so at home you have the advantage. Dave Haxtell maxed it up against Colorado's third line, but Colorado's third line had some really good skaters with Calvert and Soderberg. Mm-hmm. These guys could skate. Fourth line's not that quick, not that fleet of foot, and, yeah. and that, to me, was a bad matchup. And putting Scott Lawton on the second line, please don't ever do that again. Yeah. That's just, it, he's not a, he. Jake Voracek had to literally throw him a pass behind him because he was still waiting for him to gain the zone. Like, yeah. it's just, he's a little too slow for that. Yeah, and and they're trying to figure out what to do with these lines, too. I saw they moved Konechny back to the top line. Well, you have to put him top six and just yep. leave it. Like, I wish... Let him work it out. I wish coaches would give guys, like, 20 games. Mm-hmm. I wish they would because you would get so many better results. Like, because, look, Konechny's going to score. He's not going to not score. He scored the other day. Guys go through... Through dry spells, it's just the way it is. But let them work their way out of it sometimes. Yeah, Nolan Patrick now back healthy. He's looked uh, pretty He's good since his return. Yeah, yeah. Um, and him and Limblom, by the way, if you would have just left them alone mm-hmm. and leave them alone now, they'd eventually get it. You'd pay dividends on it later. Absolutely. Yeah, but everybody's impatient right now, and I, I get why. And in the NHL, you don't want to get buried because you're chasing it. Uh, but they, again, they're lucky to be four and five. Michael Neuvert had a rehab start with the Phantoms. He's now. Available for the Flyers. I imagine we'll probably see him on Saturday. One uh, yeah. game, one game rehab though is a little short. No, it really is. I mean, Corey Schneider's going on his third consecutive. I get he was coming off a hip surgery, but you know, Neuverth is coming off an injury like he always is. Here's yeah. the thing: what else? Is Are they afraid he's just going to get hurt rehabbing the game, so they'd rather just put him in there? Or is this the work of a coach that's a little worried about his goaltending and he likes Neuverth, so he says, "All right, you know what? At least if I have him as a backup." To him, that's a better option because Pickard, you know, showed to be a little, in, yeah. you know, a little up and down. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the latter too. But now he's going to get thrown into a game. What's the over under on until he gets hurt again? How many games? Uh, have a game and a half is usually wow. about where he's at now. I mean, that's how that's how tenuous his situation is. I'm yeah. being facetious, obviously, but yeah, yeah, and exaggerated. But no, he's a, like you can't depend on him. You just can't. No. And to come into the season and depend on him, despite the fact that he stayed in North America and. Did you know train differently? Same result. Yeah, yeah. Some guys so this just is made, it, made that way. This is a tough time for Flyers fans. It is because they've been you know. Well, we'll we're going to get into another list later. They might be on my list for that. Okay, and you know, <laughs> can they turn it around though? Is yeah, of this course. a team? I mean, yeah. 
I, I do have to say one thing, though, from a fashion standpoint. Last couple of games up in the press box, I don't understand JVR not wearing socks with his shoes. And he wears these weird pants that are like almost sweatpants the, at the, the bottom. The short pants. Yeah. But, but the, I can get over that, right? But this isn't summertime anymore, JVR. Yeah. It's like, you know. You're going to get cold toes. Yeah. Like, it just, <laughs> it just looks weird. I, I'd rather see him on the ice. Do you think this is the year where um, if things aren't going better rather quickly for this Flyers team that Ron Hextall stands by what he said and does make a bold move? Yeah, I do. And we're going to get into that in another list, too. But okay. I do think he will make a bold move. And, and again, look. Simmons a part of that bold move? Uh, he, he could be the, the start of it. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it could be two-pronged, but he could be the start of it. Like when JVR comes back, he might look at that and say, all right, we're not getting anywhere contract-wise. He is playing well, so teams see that he's yep. playing well. We've got to go get what we need. Yeah, and, and it becomes a redundant situation when you have right. JVR to play net front, and then you can put Nolan Patrick right. in that position on the second power play or on right. the half wall. Yep. Um, let's get to Brian Boucher. Uh, he's from the NHL and NBC, former NHL netminder. Going to talk to us about all the goaltending equipment changes and much more. Boosh, what's going on? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, we are hanging in, man. And we had to get you on because there's a lot of controversy around the NHL. And a lot of it stemming from this equipment change with the chest protectors. I had a chance to look at a couple of them real up close. And while some goaltenders don't look much smaller in their jersey, the equipment is certainly slimmed down, especially when it comes to the arms. And some guys are complaining about it. What are your thoughts on this situation and how it's played out here early in the season? Well, yeah, I mean, look, as a former goalie, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's a there, there's a point in the in the gear that, it becomes excessive, and I was part of I was part of that crew that <laughs> you know tried to push the limits to get a little bit bigger, uh, to find ways to to become uh, you know visually intimidated to the shooter. Uh, and I can say that I think you know some of the some of the gear from the bullpen uh, was not meant to be protective. It was meant to be uh, you. Are- uh, I'm for the tailoring of the goalie equipment. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's ways they can make the chest protector still protective, um, yet maybe not so uh, not so large. And and I haven't, you know, look, I'm not advocating for goaltenders to get hurt here, but I, I think if you allow the shooter to see a little bit more net uh, and there's more goals, then I'm all for it. The, the, the issue that I have is when, the, the people policing the rules uh, aren't doing a good enough job, and some guys are getting away with a, with a little bit here, a little bit there, and not everybody's on the same level playing field. As long as everybody's on the same level playing field, if Henrik Lundqvist's chest protector is the same size as, um, as say, you know, Brian Elliott or, you know, or Connor Hellebuck, then I'm good with that. I, I, just, I just don't like it when I feel like, as a goaltender, I'm playing by the rules and somebody else isn't. So for the goalies, it's going to be an adjustment. Some guys wear the same arm and chest for, you know, three, four seasons in a row, and they may not like breaking it in. But, uh, you know, it's just something that they're going to have to deal with. And if they don't like getting dinged in practice, then I would suggest maybe getting a practice uh, chest protector, one that's, you know, a little bit more beefed up so that maybe you're not getting killed with the 300 shots that you're seeing in practice. But once the game starts, you wear the game one, the adrenaline's pumping, uh, the puck shouldn't hurt as much as it does in practice. That's a great point. Actually, the the practice protector should be different because otherwise you would go back to the days of like someone like Patrick Waugh being like, don't shoot on me in practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't want to get killed in practice. And then you, then you get gun shy in games because you know it's going to hurt. Well, yeah. I mean, look, there's a, a different level of uh, compete uh, from, a, well, I shouldn't say compete, but a different level of uh, – of willingness, I guess, uh, to want to make saves uh, from practice to a game. And I think it's all attributed to adrenaline. I mean, when, when, the, when the puck drops in a game, the adrenaline is pumping. Uh, I can tell you that the pucks don't hurt as much as they do in a practice. And when you're facing 300 shots in a practice, some guys get a little bit careless in the way that they're uh, placing their shots. Some can hit you high. And if you're if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, it can be awfully agitating for a goaltender. So I, I would suggest if I was a goaltender, for me personally, I would break in a, a, a chest protector that I'd use solely for practices so that I'm not shying away from pucks and keeping good habits. But once the game starts, I would have a chest protector that is uh, 
that is, you know, league conforming and, and look, it might even be a little bit lighter come game time. You might be a little bit quicker because of the smaller size one. Yeah, Boosh, when you look at it, though, one of the things, could, could the same thing of being able to see more of the net be accomplished simply by a tighter jersey as opposed to a slim down padding? Yeah, you could. I will say this, though, Jason. I really hated a tight jersey. I, I felt like a Because it constricted jersey. you, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so restrictive. And especially in the arms, if I couldn't bend my arms the way I wanted to, I just felt like I was in a straight jacket. So I, I, I think there's a point there that you can make. If the jersey could be to the point where it's so flexible and so pliable that you were to move around in it, even though it was a little bit more snug, you could probably accomplish that. But I think most goaltenders would feel the way I felt in, in that you, you just don't want to feel like, you know, you can't breathe. You know, I, I think I'd rather live with a little less padding, uh, especially if I know in the, in, in, in the right spots that I'm covered. You know, like mm-hmm. if, as long as my, if I know that I'm not going to get a shot that hits my chest and is going to break my sternum, you know, like then I have confidence in it. I mean, I, I haven't heard – I mean, guys are getting bruises, but truthfully, I got bruises my whole career. Uh, with my chest protectors. I, I think a bigger story is being made right now because maybe some guys don't like their numbers and they feel like that's something that they want to pin it, pin it on. I think you just got to move past it. Uh, I, I think there probably are some goaltenders who are like, you know what, it is what it is. We move on and I find a way to play. But the ones that don't like their numbers, maybe those are the guys that are probably having a little bit of an issue with it right now. Brian, it just it feels like the goalies probably feel like they're under fire, for a lack of a better term, because like a shooter – the shooters don't have to worry about what sticks they use. Like, like if you play softball and, you know, there's certain bats that are illegal, there's no such thing really in the NHL. So they keep getting better, and the goalies keep getting their equipment paired back. So I just think this is like a mental thing now, and they're just complaining about it. Yeah, I, th- I think in the last 10 years, it's, there's been a, a steady uh, push uh, against the goaltenders. I don't think it's something that, you know, it, it's not something that's been conscious. You know what I mean? I think it's just been the evolution of the sport. When you think about coming out of the one lockout, uh, taking away the red line, that increases offense, uh, you know, increased crackdown on obstruction, uh, you know, slashing, leads to more power plays. All of this in an effort to try and uh, bring the scoring up in the National Hockey League. Because I think when you look to the mid-90s, you know, probably around 93, 90, or I would say 94, and probably to the early 2000s, you know, the, the shooters could say that there was, a you know, a big-time crackdown on them by allowing obstruction and holding and, 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 and the way systems were played, scoring was down. So, for now, the goaltenders, they've, you know, they've worked so hard to improve at their craft and become, uh, you, you know, prominent players in, in the NHL by, you know, working on their technique, be, being better athletes, uh, working on their puck handling. They've improved in every area that they possibly could. Uh, I think the one area that the league is just trying to say is like, look, I mean, the gear, it's got to be protective, but it can't be excessive. You know, like we saw with Garth Snow back in the day, it's got to be, it's got to be within the, within the confines of, uh, of good taste. And I, and I, I think, you know, they're trying their best, but uh, the way the gear is made today, I think the goalies look big plus their size, plus their athleticism. They're tough to beat anyway. I think they're going to, they're going to figure this out. They'll get past this and, uh, you know, maybe we won't have to be, you know, slamming down the goalies, you know, much longer after this. Yeah, I saw Mark Andre Fleury when Vegas was in town the other day, uh, up close uh, from the bench and warmups. He didn't look any smaller, and uh, now we know he's a beanpole rail underneath that equipment. And if you were to put form-fitting stuff on him, he would look like a skeleton out there anyway. But that being said, Boosh, the technology of the sticks and the way they can shoot the puck now certainly is one of the disadvantages the goalies will cite. Uh, but when you look at the, the way that they want to add scoring into this game, would it have been more advantageous to the league to maybe widen the net? I, I'm so against raising the crossbar and any conversation to that because pucks at heads are already a major problem uh, for not only goaltenders but players trying to block shots. But would it have been advantageous to to widen the net by three to six inches? I, I wouldn't have been a fan of it. I'm a purist uh, as much as I can be uh, with the game, and I think you know, uh, four by six is you know what everybody's been used to, and I, and I think that's you know that should stay as is. Uh, I think just you know having the manufacturers just get on the same page. Uh, with the league and and not making it difficult for you know this this equipment to be made 
uh, in a timely fashion. To me, that's you know that's the that's the, been the biggest thing. I mean, there's been no issues with the pads. Um, there's been no issues with the gloves. They've been able to you know get those fixed relatively quickly. The biggest one, truthfully, has been this chest protector. I think that's the one that's really been the bugaboo with trying to get that tailored back. And and I I always say like they make bulletproof vests. They use Kevlar, lives. right? Right. Yeah, to save lives. I mean, can they not make uh, a chest protector that is smaller in size, but yet will stop a puck from breaking a goaltender's ribs? Yeah, well, uh, well here's the deal. Boost, there's a company around in Pennsylvania called Unreal Technologies. They were the guys that they have the, the patent on sports Kevlar. The guy, uh, uh, Rob Vito is his name. They built the uh, Kevlar uh, rib protectors for Michael Vick. They do helmets yeah. for high school athletes to to take away for concussions and stuff like that. It's absolutely available. But again, are these manufacturers going to go in and, and get into that game? You know what it is. Yeah. They don't want goalies to feel too comfortable, Bush. I mean, at the end of the day, they had this technology. It's like if they cared about writers more, they would be a transcription software that would actually work. But we don't have that either. Yeah. We could bring people to Mars. So I know how he feels. Yeah. Well, well, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I, I feel like there's something that they can do to keep the guys safe, uh, but yet increase scoring. You know, and I don't think we have right. to widen the nets. I think we can just work with the equipment. Well, what about with the with the post? Everybody has to cooperate, though. You know. Yeah. What about with the post? Remember, they were talking about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, angling it a little different. The rebounds would be a little different. Is that enough? Would you do that? You know, I, I think I'd be a little bit more open to something like that uh, and, and try something like that, like to see how it works at the lower levels, you know, maybe in the American Hockey League or the East Coast Hockey League uh, and see if scoring I bet than I would be to making the nets wider. Um, but, again, I, I'm a purist, I think, as much as I can be. And, I, you know, seeing that the gear is – when you look at the way the gear has changed – from the decades, it's you know, there's no reason why we can't work with the gear even more to bring it back to a place where you see more net, but yet keep the guys safe, um, and see if you can do it that way. Well, Bush, one of the things about gear that they need to take a look at, and I'm seeing some conversations being started about it now, is the mask and the ability to protect the brain. Uh, we know that Corey Crawford just came back from a very long absence. We've seen a lot of guys going out with concussions and, and dealing with head injuries, uh, either taking pucks to the mask or even bodies to the mask can, can give you a concussion as well. Uh, what do they need to do with the mask to make it more protective for these goalies in an era where these players and just about everybody at many levels can fire the puck at an insane level of velocity? Yeah, I, I, you know, i got to be honest with you on this one, Jason. I, I don't know enough about the technology of the mask to, to give you a, a defined answer on that one. I think, you know, anytime you have body contact, um, I think it's going to be hard to protect the goaltender. And the way the goalies play nowadays, they're on their knees. Uh, they're more they're more engaging uh, on the guy with the puck around the net. So they put, their, they put their head in harm's way a lot. So you see, like, a lot of whether it's a guy's knee or hip hit the goaltender – we're back, you know, back 15 years ago, the goaltender would never have never put his, you know, his head in, in, in the line of danger like that. But the way this, you know, the reverse VH, the paddle down, you're, mm-hmm. you know, more susceptible to that. And, you know, that's one of the negative drawbacks. And you got to have the courage to stand in there knowing that you might get dinged, you know, as a goaltender. So with the body contact, I'm not sure what you can do. From the puck standpoint, you're right. These guys are firing it harder. Uh, there used to be maybe two, three guys that could fire the puck with a wood stick or a two-piece stick back in the day. Now with these new sticks, the composites, everybody can rip it. I mean, everybody can rip it. Um, so if, it's, if, if the masks are not protecting the goaltender in the way that it's supposed to, that's something that they have to look at. And with, you know, with the one-piece mask, you know, the whole idea behind it was that it was, it was you know, in a way it was aerodynamic and, and pucks would deflect it. Uh, would deflect off the mask as opposed to the two-piece, you know, uh, cage-helmet combo. You know, those cage-helmet combos, you know, you take a more direct impact, especially if you took it in the forehead off the screws. You know, you get a more direct hit. But with these masks, the idea was that the puck would hit you, but it would deflect away, and, 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 the, and the absorption would not be direct. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there are places, if you do catch it, you know, right between the eyes or, you know, or in the side, uh, you know, you do take a direct hit. So, um, I, I look, I mean, I just think it's one of those things. It's, as a goaltender, 
it's one of the risks. But, you know, if these manufacturers can come up with a way to figure out how to protect these guys so that uh, guys aren't getting injured, you know, that's the goal. Because you hate to see a guy like Corey Crawford. Brian, my last question for you is I, I covered Mike Richter when he got the skull fracture. It seems like at least... Uh, concussions aside, because we are still learning about that, and I even go to symposiums to learn more about it, we at least don't see too much of that because that's a scary injury. Yeah, uh, a skull fracture. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. I mean that to me is like I, I couldn't even imagine. You know, um, you know, but you know, for a long time, Richter, you know, he wore the, the two piece and then went to the one piece mask. Um, you know, look, I, I got to be honest with you. When I played, I never once thought of any type of injury like that when I got into the net. I, I felt, I truly honestly felt protected uh, when I played. And uh, if you're a goaltender and you have to worry about injuries like that, you know, if you're a young kid, you might think of, think twice about wanting to play goal. But uh, I, I can honestly say that, you know, when I was a kid coming up and even as I got to pro hockey, I never once thought of having an injury like that. I really did trust you know, my equipment, which is, I think, you know, the most important thing. Yeah, And you're right about the two-piece. I, I was working at Phillips Exeter Academy Hockey School, Boosh, up in New Hampshire, and a guy that played for the Leafs, Teddy Gallo, came in over the blue line, took a slap shot in a counselors and coaches game, and, and so much pressure would have hit me, Boosh, split my head wide open, nine yeah, stitches in what true. used to be my hairline. Yeah, this, uh, uh, yeah, the screws, too. Like, if you take yep. right the screws, I had that happen to me, too, when I was playing um, that was the last time I wore uh, the cage helmet combo. Yeah, because I mean, those were just more direct hits with those with those two pieces. Uh, they didn't deflect off as much, which is when you think about it. Hashik wore it his whole career. Yeah, that's good know? too. I, yeah, I mean, how crazy he was to wear that. But, and Hashik I mean, used to make the save off his head like he did that on purpose. Yeah. Not, well, and the other thing with that, too, is that plastic that was on those helmets was not the same material that the masks are made out of now. So right. it, it flexed and just almost absorbed the puck to not deflect it. It was crazy. Yeah. I had a big blood stain in my in my helmet. I called it my oh. Gorbachev helmet. It looked like <laughs> <You're> Gorbachev. <laughs> uh, uh, Boosh, real quick, you, you saw Winnipeg. Uh, they went down last night, but uh, you've seen some of these goalies around the league. Who's really sticking out to you as uh, uh, taking the next step for the young goaltenders in this league right now? Well, I mean... You know, you talk about Winnipeg and Connor Hellebuck at 25 years old, you know, breakout season last year. Uh, they got a great team there. It's hard not to think that he's going to be a guy that, you know, is going to have a great season. That team is legit um, in Winnipeg. Uh, he's fantastic. I think the, the only thing that I would have a, cr- a criticism of his game is maybe the puck handling. Uh, I still yeah. think at times, you know, his exchanges with his defense are not clean. He seems unsure of himself out there when he plays the puck. But, I mean, that's that's a minor detail. I think that's going to come, you know, with time. Uh, he'll get more comfortable with it. Um, as far as the other guys around the league, I mean, you know, the one the one area that – the one team that I look at that's a legit contender, too, is, is Nashville. What's going to happen with, you know, the playing time between Pecorine and, and UC Soros? Uh, Rene's out right now. Soros has done a nice job filling in, talking to people around that organization. Um, you know, they really feel like Soros uh, is a guy that they can count on uh, big time. They, they feel like he's a really talented goaltender. And when you think about size matters, uh, not there. He's not the biggest guy. He's, you know, he's about 5'10", 5'11", but a really gifted, talented goaltender who reads plays well. and Explosive uh, too, not, isn't he? Not, not, I say again. He's really explosive too. He is, yeah, he really is. But you know, I think is you know the way he reads plays uh, allows him to get the pucks, you know, on time. Uh, but look, it's a small sample size too. Uh, you know, we need a little bit more to see there. But I think he's a guy that bears watching to see how that plays out in Nashville because I think it's going to be a head-to-head clash between Nashville and Winnipeg once again this year, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, and look, I mean, uh, it's still early in the year. Carey Price is back, which is a good thing for, for Montreal. Corey Crawford, let's hope he can stay healthy because, you know, he's a difference maker for Chicago. Um, and we'll have to see if Freddie Anderson's for real in Toronto. Uh, that, that's another one. You know, great offensive team, but, you know, if he can stay healthy and be the goaltender that, uh, you know, that they think he can be, I think, you know, that could be, you know, something worth watching if they bolster their defense. That could be a team to, to worry about in the East. Yeah, and Bobrovsky's off to a bit of a shaky start and a bad time to do it in a yeah, contract year. worst time. Uh, uh, one more question for you, Boosh. Uh, Kerry Price is really standing up a lot more in that. He's uh, he's keeping his head higher. You talked about that earlier. And his, his legs are a lot tighter and, and more, you know, he's not as 
wide in the net. Yeah, Yeah. and and he's a lot deeper in his net. Making those kind of changes when you're playing at that level, how much of an adjustment is that for you? You have to do it all all offseason to get there, but how much of an adjustment is for you to, to keep that mindset when you get into the regular season? Yeah, you got to do it enough where the you know it just becomes you know part of your you know part of your game, right? You know, do it the time eventually gets ingrained and in, in, you, you are the goaltender. So yeah, that's stuff that you got to work on in the off season. That's not stuff that you want to do uh, in season. Um, but I think it's you know, look, I I've never been a huge fan of of the wide stance, uh, maybe because I couldn't play that way. I just felt like it, you know it really limited you on your lateral movements. It may have made you look bigger, you know, as far as taking the corners away and you were trying to bait the, the guy to shoot five hole. But, uh, you know, I, I always felt, you know, on, on the lateral side of things, if there was an east-west play, really difficult to get to. So I, I'm more of a fan of a narrower stance. Uh, I have no problem with the guy playing deep because it's going to allow him to get the pucks, you know, on an east-west play or, or outnumbered situations where maybe it's a two-on-one or, or three-on-two, what have you. Um you know, so it, it, I think a lot of goaltenders, as they get older, they tend to go back a little bit just because they don't want to play as aggressive and, and maybe, you know, not being out of control and putting themselves at risk for injury. But we'll have to see how that plays out. Still, still early on in the season. Uh, I think the most important thing is just a healthy carry price is what what the Canadians need. Whether he wants to play wide or play narrow, uh, they probably could care less. Just having him in the net is a good thing. Yeah, no question about it. Bush, I think one of the records in sports that will never be broken is your shutout streak. <laughs> That's true. Uh, as I look at it, they're making the equipment smaller, man. They're doing everything to oh, preserve yeah. it for you, brother. I know. Keep it going. Make them smaller. Maybe then make the nets bigger. No, you can't make the nets bigger because then that'll that'll put an asterisk by by the by the record. So uh, yeah, I know. They, I I just can't see it. I mean, I hate. I don't want to like. It's not that I'm trying to brag about it, but it's like it's one of those things that it's so hard now. Plus, you got three on three overtime. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the goalies. It's it's much more difficult to put something like that together in this day and age with the increased offense, the sticks, everything. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be a long time before somebody uh, really can get it done, but I could be wrong. You never know. Now, Boosh, the record is almost ridiculous, to be honest with you. When you consider how many minutes and how many games it's spanned, it's it's absurd to go that long without giving up a goal at that level. I don't care what area you're talking about. Pretty nuts. Yeah. It's a feather yeah, in your I, cap. I and we were we were terrible too, our team. I don't know how the heck we did it. So I mean That's if we the other do part. It, I guess anything possible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not like you were playing for the ninety four Rangers, right. you know? Right. I think we won ten games all year. <laughs> yeah, and, and they couldn't score for five. Uh hey Boosh, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, doing this and uh, we'll be checking you out on the NHL and NBC. You're doing a great job and we always love having you on. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right, there he is, uh, former NHL goaltender Brian Boucher. You think that record will ever be broken? No. I, I, I think it's it. actually, when when you were saying it, it reminds me of Oral Hershiser's record, which I don't think will ever be broken for pitching, even though we're in a pitching era for baseball, and I know you hate baseball. Yeah. I'm going to get off it. I love baseball. No, you don't. But said no one ever. But the thing is, I just don't think that that record will be broken either. Yeah. Uh, there's You look at Gretzky's record, and you look at some of the other ones around the league, and um, but that's one I just with the way the league wants to add scoring, I just don't see any way that any goalie is going to be able to break that shutout streak. Right, and actually, years ago, I would have thought that Gretzky's records were unbreakable, like there's articles on that and such. But now that they are making this conscious effort to increase scoring, scoring yeah. in a couple of years, I could see guys getting 130, 140 points. Yeah, and Ovechkin's going to get close to that goal mark. Yeah. He, he's, he's up there. It's incredible. And it's incredible that he still scores so many goals from the same spot. I'd love to see a heat map. You got the map. shot, you got the shot. Yeah, yeah, the heat map would be good. The heat map of how many of his power play goals were scored from right there. And you'd be amazed, too. So many of his goals are scored within three feet of the net. Oh, yeah. He goes to the cage and has yeah. no problem doing it. Never has. Nope. All right, Russ, let's get into some stuff around the league because there's some intriguing things going on. Let's first talk about what was a really big game in Winnipeg. The Maple Leafs taking on the uh, the peg last night in their building. Did you see any of it? I did. Okay. Did you I had see a wager the, on it. Did you see the pregame? I did not. Okay, so they had like a fake Bachman Turner overdrive. They had Randy Bachman okay. and a couple of other people. Like a tribute Bach- BTO? <laughs> it was almost like that, right? And I'm thinking like NBC, I get 
that you're trying to jazz this game up. And people in Winnipeg were excited. They were talking during the music. Like, they were. Uh. Like, it was just until and until Randy Bachman, like, almost ordered everybody to start clapping. Why didn't they go younger? You got to yeah. skew younger. That's just, I mean, that's like high school for me, and I'm a 55-year-old guy. You just got to skew younger. It was like 21 pilots not available or yeah, something? Yeah, they, they, they did a bad thing. Well, it was that. the first time uh, in the United States that a Wednesday night uh, a game was two Canadian teams. Right. So that that's a big step, too, and well, they're two intriguing teams. Considering too. the day before they blew it with uh, Pittsburgh and, and Edmonton, again, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how it's not hard to show that game. Yeah, why are you not going Crosby-McDavid? I mean, you know, you know it just it makes no sense. But at least they did show this, and there was some buzz. Mm-hmm. And I know people who live in Winnipeg, and they were very excited for it. Yeah, and, uh, well, the Leafs come away with the win. At least for one period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the Leafs got off to a great start in the game, and, and that's a team, obviously, to look out for. And we'll get to that probably coming up in our list coming yeah. up as well. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, looking around the league right now, and we talked about the Flyers and Dave Haxtall. Uh, is Dave Haxtall in the hot seat? And what other coaches may you consider to be on a hot seat right now? Dave John Haxtall. Stevens? Yeah, John Stevens, Dave Haxtall. They're all <laughs> Rick Tockett. They're yeah. all going to have. Is Tockett really on a hot seat? Oh, I mean, absolutely. They finished really well last year, but they're off to a but slumpering start again. they're another slow start. I mean, yeah. they did have a good win last game, and Christian Fisher had a nice hat trick, and he's a young player that I like. If they could get him going, that would be a good thing. But they they don't have a good home record. Yeah. They've got to start showing something. They do. Well, the thing with that team, too, is it's easy to, to play when there's no pressure and it's all gone. And you say, right. oh, we won these games at the end of the year. It's going to carry. No, it doesn't because you played with no pressure. You're playing loose. And a lot of times your head can be your biggest I'll tell detriment. you what's adding pressure. What's adding pressure is you already have Clayton Keller, who's, again, leading that team in scoring. He's got he, – I looked the other day at like five points in eight games, which is a miracle the way they were playing. And he's going to get his points. Mm-hmm. But then Dylan Strome is playing, and he's playing better. There's a lot of first-round picks on that team, and that will add pressure to to Rick Tockett's play. Yeah, and you got to develop those yeah. th- those first-round picks and young players. Um, anybody else around the league that you, f- you feel like Hackstall is on a hot seat? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think he's firmly on the hot seat right now. Did Hextall's comments kind of— I thought it before Hextall's comments. Okay. I'm surprised he waited so long. And you, and you can tell that a lot by his actions, too. Yes. And he's, and he's obviously been a lot more emotional, yeah. both on the bench and around, yeah. just in his expression and stuff now, like Jeff that. Now, Jeff Blaschel's safe, and we get why he's safe. I picked— them to be the worst, Detroit to be the worst team yeah. in the league. They, they are, yeah. and so like they knew that he's off the he's off it. Now you would think McClellan would be on this list, mm-hmm. but I think it's Shirelli that goes first. Really, I don't know what the relationship is between Connor McDavid and and Todd McClellan, but if it's good, then, then it's I think Shirelli. the GM. Then yeah. I think it's the GM only because it's that dynamic. Yeah, um, in LA, I don't know how you can blame the coach. When you've assembled a team that's way too slow for the league right yeah. now, yeah, I mean they definitely are. But again, Kovalchuk is a coach killer for a couple of reasons. He's you know, he's got like five points, yeah. eight games. It's not terrible. He's not getting the power play points you would hope, though, and and maybe he will later in the year. But the minute you bring him in and sort of expectations rise, and what happens is though the power play changes and it started off horrible. Yeah, and so there's that, and you know, look, Jeff Carter has been great for a lot more years than I thought he would be. Maybe he's starting to pale a little, yeah, and Stevens definitely was his coach, so he's going to rely on him a little bit. Yep. Quick Steve, going down to Stevens is a very good X's and O's guy, but if you remember when things were sort of sinking here, going down the drain, he didn't have an answer for it then either. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. A and couple... Rob Blake has already thrown the gauntlet down on his players, Yeah, so then he would be next. And he gave him the dreaded vote of confidence. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a really good coach. Yeah. One that might be out the door any day now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you hear that, you go, uh-oh. A um, couple of coaches that have been surprisingly good. Um, the guy that I picked for the Jack Adams, Jared Bednar, yeah. has done a nice job with Colorado. He's got a top-end that top line's fantastic, and they got to get secondary. I mean, scoring Randon's eventually. tied, you know, with all these top scorers, and no one talks about Miko Rantanen. But unreal. we saw a display on that game that mm-hmm. was just incredible. Well, McKinnon makes everybody around him. Oh yeah, so, uh, his ability, to, the way he possesses the, the speed puck, through the neutral zone. There's nobody else who has. I mean, yeah. McDavid is is does everything top speed, but I think the speed burst that has that. McKinnon has to get through the neutral zone is even better than McDavid. Well, the thing that McKinnon knows how to do really well, too, is he knows when not to be fast. Right. So that when he is fast, it's... It's that much you're faster. Dead. You're yeah. dead on your heels. Yeah, because so. you've already, like, yeah, you're stopping and going. His yeah. stopping and going is crazy. He knows how to pace himself, pace his way up the rink really well. I agree with that. Um, and that line's been fantastic. So so we will go. We will get an I will give you one more coach who I think is on Who's the hot that? seat. John Tortorella. 
Is that right? Even though he got a new contract, like here's the thing. Okay, I get that either your two best players or two of your three best players are in contract years. I get that. And he said it didn't bother the team. Well, I, I might argue with that because I think it is. At some point, they have to be in playoff position because if they're not and they do a sell-off, can you bring Tortorella back when you expected this team to go far and now you you definitely will lose Panarin and you may lose your goalie too? Yeah. I mean, Corpusalo is a nice goalie. I <clears> think he possibly can do the job too. But that's that's a tough thing to bring Tortorella back or do you have to bring in a different coach to save this season because you have very high expectations for this season if it starts getting away from and after you. after the way they got bounced in the playoffs yeah. last year. I mean, this is, Still haven't won a playoff series. Yeah. Like All these things are kind of... This is yeah. this is a tough time, I think, for Torts. Yeah, very interesting. I was surprised to hear that name, but it, I now that you kind of make the case, I go, okay, I, I buy it a little bit. Um, let's talk about the biggest surprise you've seen so far this season. Positive surprise. Well, it's definitely the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm, I don't know if they're Under Brindamore. Yeah, under Brindamore. I mean, anytime you get a new coach, it's great. He's still young and fit. I have to say young because I'm 55, right? So Mm -hmm. he's younger than me. But he goes out on the ice and he skates with those guys and he skates hard. And he actually comes right from the skate to do his his his, his after practice his availability yeah. and and so there is something to like about all that and why and the players are gravitating towards that the celebration they do that, that they little do. celebration thing that's yep. fine I still don't know if it's sustainable though yeah I, I'm not buying it I but right now this moment you ask me this moment yeah. I have to I have to react you're, you're right about that a couple of things that surprised me I look at a team like the Canadians yes. and Ottawa and what I know about these two teams is they're young and they're not that deep as other NHL teams, but they go out and they play their ass off, and they're giving teams trouble right now because of it. Yeah, you I, do that, you're going you're gonna to win some games. I didn't expect this from the Canadians, <clears throat> although we knew they'd play better with Carey Price. Like, that's a no-brainer. Yep. Although, watching the Canadians the other day, their power play is not very dynamic at all. Like, mm-hmm. Drouin's really the best guy on that power play. Without Shea Weber from the point shot, they're lacking a little on the power play. Yep. So I kind of wonder how that's going to go long-term. But... Yeah, right now, Ottawa, I am not shocked at. I didn't pick them for last in the league. I mm-hmm. didn't pick them for losing the first round, first overall pick like a lot of people predicted because they have good young players. And if you remember, I talked about Thomas Shabbat and said he probably could step in for, for Carlson, and he has. He has like eight or more points already. Yeah, he scored a point, in, I think, as of the other night, every game this season for that yeah. team. So, so there I mean, was four guys a, in the league that did it, two of them were on Colorado he, and him. He's a dynamic player, and Colin yeah. White's healthy, which is a big deal because he's also a really good goal scorer, a clutch goal scorer. They're not going to go far, but they also have Craig Anderson, who at times can get hot. So I think they will be up and down, but will surprise people and mm. maybe could even be in the race for a while. They could. And, and Guy Boucher is not a name that we mentioned on the hot seat. Maybe he was a guy that we thought would with changing them wanting to do him yeah. things differently, and he's a very rigid guy. And we should bring up Travis Green's name, too, because for all the talk about the Canucks, and, and I do like what they've done and what they are <clears throat> doing for the future, and I've said that to a lot of people because Canucks fans could be very negative. And, you know, Quinn Hughes isn't even there yet, right? Maybe mm-hmm. at the end of this season they see him. We'll see how far his season goes in Michigan, and then we'll see what happens with that. And and at Pedersen, that was just goonery that took oh, him out. Otherwise, awful. he was one of the best players in the league. So when he comes back, they're already winning games without him. Yeah. They're off so, to a good start. Yeah. They did it last year, but we'll see if yeah, it's Markstrom, sustainable. Uh, you remember, Flyers could have had Markstrom, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, they, instead they made a trade for a defense, but I won't bring yeah, it up again. That's what they do. I, I, I know. Um, biggest disappointment so far? Maybe team, player? I'll go team. Uh, I'll say Philadelphia Flyers. I thought I thought they would be one of the – this is a weak division right now. No, oh, it is big time. It's a weak division, and – Right now, they're out of it, and Columbus is out of it. And to me, that's inexcusable. Yeah. Like, they, they brought in JVR to sort of cover up, you know, some of their ills. Mm-hmm. But Brian Elliott's not been the problem. It, last year, yes, Brian Elliott was the problem. and he Post-surgery, he, yeah. And post-surgery, he couldn't move in the playoffs. That was a problem. Yep. He has not been the problem this year. It's yeah. been a lot of other things. So they've been very, very disappointing. Yeah, they have been. It look, it, I mean, like I said before, they're lucky they have a four and five record to yeah. show for what they've played, how they've played, and, and maybe that's the, the reason for Hextall's frustration more than anything. It's not the record; it's how they look in doing it, right? And these losses, especially in the and the same mistakes over and over again, it's it's nauseating. Yeah. Um, when I look around, I mean, you can't say like a team like the Rangers are disappointing. No, you knew, you knew that. You knew that was coming. Florida Panthers, though, have been incredibly disappointing. Yeah, they did have a good win yesterday against mm-hmm. like a struggling Islanders team. Uh, but the Panthers, look, without Luongo, they are done. Yeah. Because Reimer is not, not a number, number one. one goalie. We've learned that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And 
And Hutchinson's okay, but you can only go with an oh, – I shouldn't bring up okay because you really hate that okay yeah. guy. From, <laughs> but I should use a different word. But he, he's pretty good. Yeah. But he's not good enough for a long term. So they need to get Luongo back soon. If they don't, they are going to have a problem. But, yeah. you know, Florida – That's a team that knows you can't get off to a slow start. They no, chased it last but, year. But they luckily they did, did the eke one out against the Islanders. Yeah. And so I don't know if you heard about this Islanders story, though. So they actually pulled out of a game from Brooklyn and – Put it in the Coliseum because it'll be Tavares' first game back, yeah. December 1st. Yeah. Why didn't they do that during the summer? Like, why did they— I, Why does that take till now to do that? Yeah. It's very weird. odd that they did it. And, you know, people have already bought tickets for that December 1st oh. game. So, like a fan told me, that game in Barclays was 65 bucks and fees— that ticket got canceled, so you didn't have anything. Oh my God. So then you had to go back and repurchase a ticket. Repurchasing the ticket was 120 bucks. Oh, of course, yeah, because that's the big hot ticket. So, but so they but again, they don't have enough fans that they could do that mm-hmm. with. They are going to sell out the games on the island. Really clumsy. They will sell out the games on the island, but that, to me, is just a bad look, and, and they should have done that. The minute Tavares was signed somewhere else— and you knew the schedule. You knew Boom. where he was signed. You knew the schedule. Yep. Why did you wait? Yeah, well, it's clumsy. Yeah. It's the Islanders in a nutshell, uh, even with Lou there now. Um, okay, let's talk about, uh, you know, we're going around the league right now. One of the things that happened the other night, and you brought it up, Crosby versus McDavid. It was Tuesday night. Sid had not gotten a goal yet, but, boy, did he get a big one in that game, and he showed a lot of <laughs> well, people. Well, he got two big ones. Yeah. He got the first goal, mm. which, again, it's sort of proven teams with the first goal, the percentage is really high. Like, it's almost like oh, yeah. 70%. 70%. Yeah. So, so he did that, and he got that crazy goal in overtime where it looked like he was playing against your beer league team. He yep. put it through somebody's legs. Yep. He skated around somebody else. He just owned everybody on the yeah. ice. Yep. Everybody just sat and watched it almost yeah. looked like. They weren't, yeah. but that's what it looked like. But again, I just – we talked about this ever since this matchup started happening with, with Crosby and McDavid. And if this were the NBA and it's LeBron and Steph Curry, they show those games all the time yep. nationally. They should show this game no matter what mm-hmm. in the United States and everywhere else. These are your two best players. No offense to Austin Matthews. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. But these are your two best players. Why are you not showing Going that? Going head-to-head. That's how you sell the game. Right. And they only get two shots out of the year. Yep. So it's like it's not a big thing like or, or, or something where they could even say, well, we'll get it next time. Well, will you? Yeah, we've got five other opportunities. Yeah. It's just not so the that's case. Just, it really bugs me. Um, but it was a great game. Pittsburgh maybe got back on track, too. Yeah. I mean, they're still going to be dangerous. They know when to put the foot on the gas. Yeah, and Murray being back is huge. Yep, absolutely. Um, who's the best player in the game right now? It's still Sidney Crosby. Yeah. I mean, you... Babcock spoke about it last week Yeah, and said, as far as I know, he's got gold medals. He's got three Stanley Cups. Right. Until any of, the, until any of these guys, they haven't done anything. Right. Here's how I sort of align it. McDavid is the most dynamic player in the league. Dynamic. Most skilled. He will score the most points. That's fine. That still doesn't make you the best player because the best player means best player. You do all that you do, mm. and that's Crosby. It makes no your question. team better. Yeah. Big moments every moment and yeah. key spots. That's what he does. He's still so clutch. And and he is a guy, and I've been covering him for a long time, even pre-NHL, and he is a guy that rises to the occasion. So mm-hmm. when he knows he's playing against Edmonton, he knows that this matchup is McDavid Crosby. He knows that. He's not a dumb guy. Uh-huh. He's a very smart, cunning guy, and he is very competitive, ultra competitive. Yeah. And you know, you saw the best Sidney Crosby but, in that game, and there's no, you know, there's no mistake in it. Yeah, the only way you get to that level that he plays at and to have the success and score the big goals, whether it's in the Olympics, yeah. against Team USA, against Ryan Miller, yeah. or in the cup and all, all he does is because he's insanely competitive, and I think that was a stamp. And still saying, go look I'm at his points. I'm not done yet, people. And still go look at his points. I mean, McDavid's oh, yeah. not even at that level yet where he's getting the, those same points every year after year after year mm-hmm. after year. He's not there yet. Yeah. Austin Matthews is going to be a guy that's going to be there as well. Yeah, he was a good pick, though, for the Richard. I yeah, think. damn you. <laughs> well, it's a long season, it is. Settle it down. Is. You got a shot. Don't All worry. right. Well, that's uh, the stick. Uh, do you want to take a couple of questions that we got on Twitter, by the way? Yes, let's, let's do Let's it. do that, too. I almost forgot let's about that. Let's not ignore that. the audience. Yeah. I got, we got a bunch of questions. I solicited for questions on at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter. So let's get to a couple of these real quick because uh, um, we'd love to t- get them from the people. Um, so Ryan Maloney says, why is uh, Dave Hackstall, oh, I just lost it. There we go, set on playing 22-15 and 26th? over AHLers. And we kind of spoke to that earlier. Yeah. And it's really because veterans, when a guy feels like, I need to win games. The walls are closing in. Yeah. You're going to go with veteran players. You are. And that's Dale Weiss and Yuri Leterre. And, <laughs> well, it is what it is. Yep. Although Leterre's been a little bit better. 
He's good on the PK. I'll just say that and leave it at that. Okay. Steve Appleman tweeted in and said, what's going on with the power play? The Flyers have a lot of talent they can throw out there, but the power play's struggling right now. Yeah, they, again, the power play is just very rigid. I just feel like if you let Shane Gostaspear bring the puck up the ice and once in a while not have to do the predictable pass from behind and then pass and then pass and then someone will try and shoot, most likely Giroux, or he'll do something with the puck, let him do something unpredictable to start the power play because then things can happen. Things can mix it up. Right now, they are missing JVR. There's no question. And, you know, Simmons can't go in the crease on everybody. We saw that against Adora. But right now, it's a little it's a little stale. Yeah. Well, to me, it's so predictable what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And it's get the puck to Voracek, wheel it all the way around to Giroux on the half wall. They're trying to do the same thing over and over and again. And Giroux is shooting more, but right now he's not hitting much either. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And, you know, the PK, Andy says, uh, how do you fix this PK? Apparently, Lappy is not fireable. That'd be Ian LaPerriere. <laughs> um, he could be at some point here. He, he could be, but I don't think you're firing a guy over the PK. If they trade Wayne Simmons, I guarantee you they will get somebody who plays on the PK and more. But I guarantee you that's that's an area where, yeah, they'll pick up a, a PK guy on that. Okay, Someone who could score, but someone who could be. Here's the other thing, okay? The Flyers no longer have a weapon on the PK where you're worried about the guy scoring a shorthanded goal. They need that. Yeah. No, Every right team that. needs that. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Raffle being out right now takes a little bit of that away yeah. as well yeah. for what you did have. Uh, Hunter Brody tweets in and says, are we concerned with Carter Hart's slow start in the AHL? No. He says, I know there's a big jump from, majors, or from major junior to AHL, and I know he has pressure as we consider him the piece to bring us to the promised land. Is this concerning at all? No, it's not for me either. No, no, because that's part of the <clears> learning <throat> process, and – I don't think he feels pressure at all. And it really hasn't been – if you look at it, his numbers are, are not good. No. But, I mean, he's made a lot of – he hasn't played as poorly as the numbers reflect. No. But I, I, I think – look, he is there for the learning experience. I think he's there for at least the entire season, possibly more. And I don't think he thinks about playing for the Flyers. I think people always think that, hey, there's this pressure because you're that next guy – Goalies do everything incrementally. Like they, mm-hmm. they put one foot in front of the other. They're thinking about minute to minute. Yep. He's not thinking about his. You're thinking his about flyers. the next shot, yeah. and that is it. Yeah, because if you don't, you are dead. Yeah, he's not thinking about what his Flyers career is going to be. So he's all in right now there, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a little while. Yeah, and you can only control what you can control. Correct. And, and he's a guy that that knows that he look the pressure. The kid, it, and he does have things to work on. Situation. For anybody to think he didn't have things to work on is crazy. Even his stick work behind the net, he mm-hmm. needs to work on that. Yeah, and in the NHL, it's so different. Like with that behind the net handling the puck, because guys get on you so much faster. You have no time. You, oh. I mean, you and you got to just wheel it, and and right. you have to be decisive. And if you're not, like Bush brought up, um, you know, goal, so like Hellebuck yes. has a problem with handling the puck. The biggest thing with a goalie handling the puck. Is decisiveness, yeah. And if you don't have, if you're not decisive, you're dead. You know, <laughs> once in a while, you get the Brodeur who can make the passes and mm-hmm. everything else. You know, but nowadays there are guys that barely touch it for more than a second. Yeah, they're just moving. Even, they just shovel it. They don't even want to mess with it. Yeah, and, and the smarter move most times is to go um, with the grain of the puck, not go against where it's flowing, right? Because the pressure's coming the other way. So, yeah. um, very interesting stuff. All right, Russ, that's going to put a wrap on episode 33. We'll be back for another one. Uh, follow Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. Follow me at Jason Mert. Follow the podcast at Stick so to So for 34, Pod. are we getting another goalie? Oh, uh, well, who's number 34? Van Beesbrook? Van Beesbrook. Well, we'll go Beezer. We'll see what happens. Uh, stay tuned and find out, as they say in radio parlance. Everybody, enjoy your hockey. We'll talk to you next time.